Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count for your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to Criminalia, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. Gold and jewel-encrusted, the Rospigliosi Cup had been displayed as a work of 16th-century Italian goldsmith Benvenuto Cellini at the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City since 1913, as part of the Benjamin Altman bequest to the museum. But in the early 1980s, it was discovered that the piece, one of the Met's most admired and beloved Renaissance treasures, was actually not a Cellini original at all. It was really a 19th century Vasters original, and there were others. Welcome to Criminalia. I'm Maria Tremurphy. And I'm Holly Fry. Reinhold Vasters was a 19th century German goldsmith. His work, though, changed when his wife, Katharina Homaker, died in 1859, and that left him with two young daughters to raise and a tight budget on which to do so. Today, he's famous for his forgeries of Renaissance objects, including jewelry and vessels in particular, but no one ever knew or guessed about his counterfeits until decades after his death. It all unraveled when the Victoria and Albert Museum in London began an investigation about works in their archive. Their work led to a revelation beyond the walls of the V&A. In time, it would be discovered that at least 45 objects at the Met were actually Vaster's works masquerading as authentic pieces. And they were not the only ones duped. Vaster's is generally acknowledged as a gifted goldsmith and interpreter of period pieces from the time of the European Renaissance. Experts have linked some examples of 19th century jewelry as well as some goldsmithing as his genuine work. He's not all fakes. During his legit years in 1853, Vasters was contracted to be part of the restoration of the Aachen Cathedral, specifically to make reproductions of designs for Franz Bach, canon of the cathedral and curator at the local diocesan museum, a museum for the Catholic Church. 
Bach employed highly skilled goldsmiths to not only restore, but also to replace liturgical objects that had been damaged through continuous usage over time. And here, Bastors worked with fellow legitimate goldsmiths. In town records, he is mentioned for having a, quote, workshop for the production of church vessels in the medieval style, and he's once named as a jeweler in the town. Bach's project put Vasters on the radar of various dealers, and this is when a man named Frederick Spitzer, our antagonist if we're going to hand out labels, enters the story. Frederick Spitzer. Vasters may have been the maker, but Baron Frederick Spitzer was the seller, and it seems the mastermind behind a lot of forged works during the years he was alive. Spitzer was a Viennese art collector and dealer of antiquities, specializing in medieval and Renaissance art. He worked with European collectors, including prominent names like Baron Adolf de Rothschild and Sir Richard Wallace, and he boasted that some of his art objects came from the collections of, among others, Louis-Fidel de Bruges du Menil, Prince Soltikoff, Baron Selier, Alessandro Castellani, and Julien Gréot. In the years close to Vaster's wife Katerina's death, Spitzer commissioned Vaster's to be his in-house forger. The job offer was that Vaster's would alter existing objects and or create new forgeries that could be sold on the market as authentic works of art, all made to meet market demand. In addition to handling artifacts, many of dubious provenance, correspondence between Spitzer and his associates suggested he was also very much engaged in some underhanded negotiations and trading with various collectors. For Vasters, the partnership was simple, though. It kept him flush in work and money. While experts consider his connection to Spitzer to be firmly established, there is evidence of it in the historical record. The record of works misattributed and provenances deliberately concealed, the extent of that may never be known. Vasters doesn't get a lot of recognition as a talented professional goldsmith during his lifetime, though he was. But experts theorize from piecing together the financial records of his anonymous works that Spitzer's very generous payments for his forgeries may have compensated for that. Vasters wasn't the only forger working for Spitzer. Spitzer had a large number of pieces forged by other goldsmiths and artists, which he sold as authentic. We're going to take a break here for a word from our sponsor. And when we come back, we will talk about how Spitzer basically lived in a gallery and how it was a stack of drawings that brought down the forgery empire. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Listen, you listen to true crime podcasts. You know that the world can be dangerous and unpredictable and that there will unfortunately be people who want to hurt each other. And so it's kind of nice to get a little peace of mind by having a good home security system. Just take a few precautions. 
and I recommend looking at Simply Safe Home Security. I've had my home broken into in the past, and it was a terrible feeling, even though nothing that bad really happened. Aside from an intruder, I just really like knowing that I have a security setup that lets me check in on my pets when I'm not home. That is a huge peace of mind giver when I am out traveling. Simply Safe sent me a whole home security system, and I was really, really impressed by the variety of indoor and outdoor cameras they offer. And the whole thing is backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash criminalia. That's simplysafe, S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E dot com slash criminalia. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Hey, everybody, it's Holly. Listen, I've been doing stuff on stage since I was a kid, which means that I have been doing my makeup since I was a kid. And I can turn out a look when I need to, but on my day to day, I really like to keep it a little more relaxed and low key. I don't have time for a full face most of the time. But that also means that Thrive Cosmetics can have me covered no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm doing something on stage, like I have an appearance or a live show, or I'm just running to the grocery store. Something in their line is perfect. And what I really love and what's important to me is that they are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free. And to me, cruelty-free is very important in the cosmetics I use. I mentioned that I've been doing my makeup for a long time. I've gotten older (laughs) in that time. And one of the things that I've done to refresh my look is switch over to their brilliant eye brighteners and use something like a rose gold shade to really like go all around my eye and then just blend it out and get a daytime smoky look. It makes me look a little more youthful and more refreshed. And it's just easy as pie. And it means that I don't have to mess with a whole ton of products. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash criminalia. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash Criminalia for 10% off your first order. Welcome back to Criminalia. Let's get to know more about Spitzer, the guy who turned his own home into a museum, as well as his unique way of making a sale. Spitzer's first big art deal was when he resold an Albrecht Dürer engraving at a huge profit. He established his business in London in the 1840s and then moved to Paris in 1852. By the time he was in Paris, he had been successful enough to turn his home into a collector's dream. It became known as Le Musée Spitzer. Located near the Arc de Triomphe, his mansion was filled as one would fill a museum gallery and as you'd see at the Louvre. For instance, objects were housed in glass cases and everything was cataloged. This home-slash-gallery was a popular high-society hangout. Some came to view the works he kept, and some came to buy them. American artist and expat John Singer Sargent was a regular presence there, for instance. And Hungarian composer and pianist Franz Liszt was often around the house, too, and is said to have been heard playing the piano on occasion. Among his regular clients were magnates including the Rothschilds, as well as newspaper baron William Randolph Hearst. Spitzer showed his works for sale in a particular way. He always showed a number of works together. No object was ever seen solo, and he always chose a mix of authentic pieces with forged pieces. He may have courted names like the Rothschilds, but Spitzer also focused on the practice of revitalizing broken or damaged works of art. 
particularly those made of metals. That practice is not a crime and usually not a forgery. It's technically just considered a repair. But it becomes problematic if the piece is worked too far. Becoming unrecognizable from its original state can turn an authentic work into a counterfeit of itself. It's also problematic when deceptive descriptions, provenance, and pedigrees get attached to those objects. Spitzer catered to the type of person who could and would overlook some squishy details to have an object they considered worthy of their place in society. Paula Cordera, a fellow at the Center for the History of Collecting at the Frick, said of Spitzer, quote, He was really able to capitalize on the growing demand for decorative art among a growing bourgeois class. She continued that much of Spitzer's success came, at least in part, from his ability to be one step ahead of trends. He was known to purchase works when they were out of vogue, only to later sell them at a markup when they were in demand. According to Cordera, it wasn't until more than a decade after his death the curators began to really take a look at some of the works from Spitzer's collection. And with time and research, they discerned that some were heavily restored to a point that threatened their authenticity. The controversy, though, really grew legs in 1978, when more than a thousand drawings by Vasters were rediscovered in the archives of the Victoria and Albert Museum. The VNA had acquired a library of his drawings, prints, and lithographs in 1919, a decade after the goldsmith's death, but they'd been in storage and out of sight. The drawings appeared to be renderings of known Renaissance objects, including many pieces of jewelry. However, upon examination by VNA curator Charles Truman, notations found on the drawings in Vaster's handwriting include very specific details such as which colors should be used when enameling specific objects, and how. These were drawings that actually made one's heart sink, because they were production drawings, and they included precise instructions to other smiths on how to craft certain existing medieval and Renaissance objects, probably all for Spitzer and probably all sold as genuine. Each of the thousand-plus documents depicted a different piece. Most drawings corresponded to known Renaissance objects in a number of well-known collections, and the revelation suddenly cast doubts on the authenticity of many pieces. Equally revealing were associated documents that showed other goldsmiths had, quote, executed many pieces to Vaster's designs. With this finding, experts now were suspicious of pretty much every single object for which there was a corresponding Vaster's drawing. In fact, even regarding Renaissance objects for which there were no corresponding drawings, they were still suspicious. After all, what if there were more drawings like this still to be found? The documents confirmed that there was a forger and also opened up the idea that there was likely more than one forger with works hidden in many collections. And that was true. Spitzer alone had several forgers working for him including Vasters, of course, but also Alfred André, a highly regarded 19th century Parisian restorer. André was Chevalier of the Legion of Honor and widely respected for his legitimate metalwork. But it also became clear to modern historians that he was one of the goldsmiths who had executed many pieces to Vasters' designs. 
Building on the work Truman did at the VNA, scholar Rudolf Distelberger of the Museum of Art History in Vienna began his own detective work in 1983. At first, though, in his investigation, it was Alfred André's forged Renaissance works, not Vaster's, that came to light. So let's talk about him for a moment. We know he was also connected to Spitzer. His forgeries, it was discovered, had deceived the National Gallery, the Metropolitan Museum of Art, the British Museum, the Victoria and Albert, and the Walters Art Gallery in Baltimore. Through Spitzer, he was another craftsman hired to restore and repair, or a.k.a. make counterfeits. Distelberger concluded that, quote, in order to enlarge his collection, Spitzer apparently commissioned André and Vasters to produce objects in the style of the Renaissance, then presented them in his collection as originals of the 16th century. He played an inglorious role in this deception. Like the Vasters drawings, years later, Distelberger found physical evidence of André's forgeries. André's family had kept many of the models and casts that he had created, many of which were used to recreate Renaissance objects in collections around the world. We are going to take a break for a word from our sponsors, and when we're back, we'll talk about the fallout from the discovery of the forgery ring. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Welcome back to Criminalia. Let's talk about what happened after the discovery of the blueprints and that the Rospigliosi cup, a popular and treasured item, was fake. 
Philippe de Montebello, museum director at the Metropolitan Museum of Art at that time, initially stated that they believed the drawings, quote, might be marvelous chronicles of old pieces, but we now know they are not. They contain too many instructions on how to make them. They were blueprints. We're not sure why he kept them, but they're remarkable drawings, and even forgers have pride. As an institution, the Met was anxious and started to withdraw certain pieces from exhibition, announcing that, quote, We have been gradually removing things from view for examination because we did not want to keep on view anything that might be doubtful. By 1984, the forgeries made worldwide headlines when the Met held a news conference to announce that Reinhold Vasters, a goldsmith and restorer, had been more than a restorer. They stated it had been concluded from his drawings that many of the alleged antique objects in institutions around the world, including the Met, had in fact been made in his shop in Germany in the late 1800s. And that included the Rospigliosi Cup, exhibited at the Met. The Rospigliosi Cup was considered a treasure and had long been attributed to the Florentine goldsmith and sculptor Benvenuto Cellini. In a brochure in 1852, it was described as a salt vessel of gold enameled in different colors from the years 1540 to 70, said to be made by Benvenuto Cellini, the property of Prince Rispoglioso of Rome. Art historian Eugene Plom named the prince as the owner, but also admitted that there were no documents authenticating the attribution to Cellini. He claimed it had belonged to his ancestor, Grand Master of the Court, to the Grand Duke of Tuscany. But then, nothing more was heard of that object until 1909, when it was sold by art dealer Charles Wertheimer to Benjamin Altman, who then bequeathed it to the Met. Upon close examination and inspection of the Rospigliosi Cup and many other works, some objects were clearly made entirely from Vaster's Renaissance-style blueprints, including a rock crystal vase mounted in gold and a rock crystal candlestick mounted in silver gilt. Other objects were determined to be partly of authentic Renaissance derivation. For instance, fragments of earlier works were remounted and reworked by Vaster's to create a new, similar but forged work. And then some works, including a pendant with a figure of Neptune enameled in gold and set in jewels and pearls, aren't precise copies of Vaster's designs, but they are so similar that scholars believe they can safely attribute them to other craftsmen working from his instructions. Of the V&A's blueprints, de Montebello has also stated, quote, most likely every major repository of Renaissance jewelry, metalwork, and mounted crystals will find that a disturbing proportion of their holdings date from the 19th century. This is irrefutable because we have the actual drawings created by the maker. He continued, quote, He captured the style of the Renaissance so well that even today, if you were to put side-by-side -side two pieces, one by Vasters and one from the Renaissance, very few curators could tell by eye alone. He was that good, which is why all the collections were fooled. Despite the fact that the works do not actually date from the Renaissance, they do still, yes, have value among many circles. De Montebello has stated, quote, In their own right, while they were made to deceive, these works are of enormous quality and great beauty, 
and they are important historically. We intend to mount an exhibition in which we will carefully explain the Vaster's works, comparing them with authentic pieces and showing the difference between the two. And it's true, the museum doesn't hide them today, though they do now attribute these works to Vaster's. Of Vaster's, well, he purchased a house in Aachen in 1872, and he lived there until his death in 1909. By his later years, Vasters had become a man of means, and he became a collector of decorative arts himself. In 1902, he exhibited almost 500 objects from his growing collection. His final year as an active goldsmith appears to coincide with the year of Spitzer's death, 1890. And according to city records, he was officially registered as retired in 1895. And Spitzer? A short entry in The Collector Journal, published in 1890, reads, quote, The Spitzer collection has, in the estimation of connoisseurs and amateurs, at least long been the eighth wonder of the world. Now and then its possessor has allowed glimpses of it to be seen in exhibitions, but as a rule, it has been locked and barred against vulgar and elect eyes in his roomy mansion, which it stuffs like sausage from cellar to roof. Before his death, Spitzer collaborated with art historian Emile Molinier on a multi-volume illustrated catalog of his private collection. Only one volume was published before he died, but he left detailed instructions for its completion in his will. The Spitzer collection, which contained more than 4,000 items, was publicly auctioned over the span of three months in 1893. Most of the collection was bought by Australian-born, London-based private collector George Salting. He bequeathed his collection to the British Museum, the National Gallery in London, and the Victoria and Albert Museum in 1909. Spitzer's collection was revered, but what no one knew when it was auctioned was that some things were authentic, but some were not. Like Vaster's, Spitzer's duplicity wasn't known during his lifetime. When it comes to Spitzer and his forgers, according to online art brokerage Artsy, quote, at the very least, Spitzer's story serves as a cautionary tale. When one encounters a collection of works so numerous they stuff a house like a sausage, one should always inquire about how they were made. Indeed. Listen, I like sausage. Who doesn't? Would you like a bogus bevy as we consider how many things sitting in collections are probably fake because of this man? Yes. <laughs> okay, this one was one of those things where as we were looking at this, I kept thinking not about anything related to the time that the forgeries were made or the period of time that they were forging, but instead that magical time when all of this was exposed. The early 80s were a real fun time for cocktails. (laughs) There was a lot of experimentation going on. And it is when most people will say that a very popular cocktail today was invented, and that is what we are going to make a forgery of, the espresso martini. Do you know my history with the espresso martini? Have I ever told you? I don't. I really want to like the espresso martini. And I also, it's a similar thing for me, like a chocolate martini. I very much want to like something like that too. And I try. I decide, I, at some point in the last, let's go with decade to 
15 years, decided I will always try it because there's going to be one out there that I like, (laughs) but I haven't yet. I mean, the good news is there are now a lot of versions, but the original was really just espresso, coffee, liqueur, and vodka. It was very simple. And that was created by Dick Bradsell in the UK right around 1980, allegedly for a model who said that she wanted to get woken up and messed up at the same time. But that is not what we're making today. We're making something that looks like it. Right. But also has only three ingredients and also will will mess you up for sure. So let's do it. (laughs) And it's very yummy. It's very easy to make. You're going to take an ounce of cognac and an ounce of dark spiced rum and put those together in your shaking tin and shake them with ice until they are just frosty cold. And you're going to strain that into a martini glass with, you know, a few ice shards are great Mm -hmm. in there. Get ready, because this is going to sound crazy, but I'm telling you, (laughs) something great happens here. You're going to top it with an ounce to two ounces, depending on your taste, of root beer. If you really want to sell the illusion, you could put a couple of espresso beans on top. But it looks like an espresso martini, but it could not taste more different. But it is very spirit forward because unlike our recent cocktail that included cream soda, where the taste of the spirit in it was Mm -hmm. obscured, this does not. You can still tell there's (laughs) a lot of alcohol in it. Like at this point, it's two thirds roughly of spirit. So it's very present. It is a weird flavor. I'm not going to lie. It's unexpected and it's strange, but I loved it and found myself like I didn't even consciously do so often when I'm making drinks for the show. I'm doing it early in the day because we record in the afternoon and I usually don't finish the drink. I'll either give it to my beloved or I will put it away or I'll just toss it. It happens. I realized after a while that I had just been carrying it around sipping it. I was like, oh, I clearly like this drink, which I am calling the slap in the face because discovering all of these technical drawings that were basically a manual to how to forge renaissance art had to have felt like a slap in the face to the entire art community that's not a great feeling to be like how how many of our things right. are probably fake i'm sorry how many documents did you say there were <laughs> <You know>? yes <laughs> this one is another one that is a little bit tricky to do a mocktail of I will tell you the mocktail does not look as much like an espresso martini, but it gets closer to the flavor of the original drink. Instead of that ounce of cognac, you are going to take an ounce of white grape juice and doctor it up. I would let a little bit of clove sit in there for a little while, and I would throw in some nutmeg, and you're just going to let that do its thing for, I don't know, 10 minutes or so, and then give it a little shake and then strain that off because you don't want that stuff in there. Dark spiced rum, we're going to do our trick of a dark tea. I would actually do a red tea here and not a black tea. And again, if you really like spice, you can add something like a cardamom and it's going to do something really good. And then you use your root beer. And this makes also a very, very yummy, especially when it's very cold. Something really cool happens with these three things. And they're like, hi, we would like to play today. It's sweeter than the alcoholic version. So you could put it over ice if you want to dilute it a little bit down instead of making it look like a martini, but you're going to be happy and you won't feel like you got slapped in the face. You could just do root beer and rum if you don't like the cognac note. I usually also love good. a cognac note, though. I love a little cognac. I probably made this because I was thinking of cognac recently and thinking, I had cognac in a minute. I really love a little <laughs> cognac in the evening. Why am I not doing that? Now we are. 
we hope that if you make this, you find it fun and interesting. And if you don't <laughs> like it, that you tweak it to make it super delicious for your palate. We will be right back here again next week with more stories of forgeries and more bogus bevies. Criminalia is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, please visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.